What up to my community? Welcome to what is the final episode of season two of Creative Ambiance. And as always, I appreciate you being here. And thank you for being a part of such an amazing season filled with so much growth for both this podcast and this community. We're going to be taking a short intermission until season three. So expect that to come at the end of this year. But season two was filled with so many amazing guests and they all brought so much value to this podcast. And I hope that you learned a lot. And this next guest is no exception to that. He goes by the name of Tomi Tribe. He is a Nigerian-American DJ, producer, and entrepreneur who has had a large influence on the Afrobeat movement that has captivated much of Los Angeles and the United States. In this special bonus episode, he shared his stories of his upbringing as a first-generation American, how he leverages confidence in both his self and the business world, and his motives around business and entrepreneurship overall. Stay tuned to the end of this one. I hope you enjoy it. And again, thank you for being a part of Creative Ambiance. This is episode 90 of Creative Ambiance with Tommy Tribe. Bless up. This is Tommy Tribe tapping into Creative Ambiance. You know the vibes. Let's get it. What up, people? Welcome to Ambiance Podcast. I got Tommy Tribe sitting to the right of me. He is a Nigerian-American DJ and producer, also an entrepreneur of many yes, sorts, yes, um, joining us on the podcast today. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. First off, though, I'm going to correct you a little bit. It's Tommy Tribe. Tommy Tribe. Yeah. Okay. So Tommy Tribe. Tommy. So, yes, yeah, obviously spelled T-O-M-I. People get it mixed up. They think it's Tommy. It's Tommy. Like, Tommy. Me. Tone me. Okay, that's a correct pronounce pronunciation on it. Okay, most definitely. So how did? First off, I love the name. How did you come up with it? How did? What did that? Because I know, Tommy is your first name, right? Oluwatomi. Oluwatomi. Name. You know. Um, and when I when I took DJing or music seriously, I was like, yo, I got to be as authentic as possible. I don't want to just have a DJ shadow or DJ not shout out to whoever is DJ shadow. I don't know. I'm not trying to. There's a DJ. There's the DJ. Yeah, shadow, but yeah. I just I didn't want to be DJ something. I was like I'm more than just a DJ. So right. It definitely has to represent me and um, low key. You know, I was just like, man, that nigga Drake uses his name, so I'm gonna use my name. Yeah. And I was just like, what goes with you know T or Tommy or you know the ambiance and what I'm trying to do. Um, I was like tribe, you know, I'm really trying to build a tribe out here when it comes to Afro-Caribbean music. So Tommy Tribe, it flowed, it fit, and I just never looked back. I think that says a lot about how you how you see yourself too, you know what I mean? That kind of shows me that you have bigger picture thinking about yeah. yourself, you oh, know what I mean? Sure. Not trying to put yourself in a box oh, sure. of just a DJ, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, DJing is dope, music is dope, but there's more to life than DJing and music, you know? Yeah. There's fashion, there's art. There's philanthropy, there's culture, there's food, you know, all these things I love and I enjoy and I want to make sure, you know, I leave my mark in all those territories as well. Yeah, and you're not just saying that too, but you're actually living it because oh, sure. you're expressing yourself through so many different mediums, yeah, right? You got the sure. musical career as a DJ and a producer. Yeah. You have your clothing brands, yeah. so you're representing that fashion aspect. Always, you got always. the entrepreneur always. spirit going on, and you know we're gonna get into all of that as well. But yeah. you know, you, you you spoke about tribe aspect, right? You're, yeah. you're trying to build a tribe out here, and yeah. you're su- you have such a large influence on the Afrobeats movement that's in Los Angeles. And I want to get into that too, but 
first I wanted to touch on your upbringing, right? Yeah. Uh, in California. So yeah. you are a first generation Nigerian American, correct? Yeah, first generation. My dad came out here on a soccer scholarship, went to med school, met my mom. She was out here as well from Nigeria, going to school in Riverside, Cal Baptist. And they linked up, you know what I mean? Um, they had my brother, sister, and me. I'm the last born out here, and we were all born here in the States. So we were able to, of course, get the citizenship, you know, and eventually they were able to get citizenship as well because they had three children out here. Right. And, you know, fast forward, here I am. How, fire, how was, how was growing up in, in uh, Riverside back then? Um, dope. A very suburban lifestyle. It was much different back then, because uh, as I told yeah. you earlier, I'm, I'm from West Covina, uh -huh. very familiar with Riverside. Uh -huh. It's a lot different now. Completely. I feel like, yeah, it, so many people are migrating there, yeah. and there's a much more, uh, how I would say, like, substantial living. Like, there's a lot more people that are moving to the IE, yeah, right? Yeah, there's, there's a lot more to do. So what I believe started happening about 10, 15 years ago is a lot of people from LA County or Orange County started saying, hey, the IE is cheaper. Let's move to the IE. What I'm paying, even like what I'm paying out here in downtown LA, if I was in the IE, I can have a two-story house. Oh, 100%. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's like eventually if you had a family and kids, it made more sense to move out there. So with that brought a lot of culture from LA or from Orange County or from wherever they migrated from. Oh, so now you have Riverside with a lot of cool nightlife. You have Riverside with a lot of cool, you know, entertainment or culture that we didn't have 15 years ago because yeah. there wasn't as many people out there who were into those kind of things or even knew about those things. So I think it's cool. Like the IE is definitely progressing, you know, it's growing. When we were younger, we just had to drive to LA every time. Like mm -hmm. that was just what That's true. You know, every Friday, get out of school, I'm driving to LA, I'm there for the weekend type thing. You know, but nowadays you don't really have to do it. Plus you have the internet and all that kind of stuff that's rampant. When we were younger, like we had the internet, but it's not like the way it is now. 100%. Social media is, you know, we could see everything real time, what's going on. I don't need to be in LA to know what's going on in LA. I don't need to be in Dubai to know what's going on in Dubai. So, you know, it's cool. I think it's it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, and it's booming right now. Riverside is booming, IE is booming too. Booming. So, I mean, growing up in that area, right? Cause we mentioned it was a lot different back then. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that your parents migrated from Nigeria, met, and basically started your home base in uh, Riverside. So mm -hmm. how is the duality of having immigrant parents? Man. Because I know that they are very big on safety, right? Uh, like they want security net for you. Yeah. Like they didn't they didn't go through all that struggle to, to exactly. have you not have security out here, right? I, I always tell people like, man, I can create the craziest movie or television series about growing up first generation Nigerian in America because when you're in the house, you're in Nigeria. The moment you walk out of the house, oh, you're in America. I didn't think about it that way. You know, from the food we ate to even the, the, the language, my parents will speak to me in Yoruba 100% of the time. Whenever you're in the household. Yeah, when I'm in the house. That's why I understand Yoruba fluently, but I don't speak it fluently because they will make us respond in English because we need to you know English for school and you know church and all those kind of things. But in the household, oh no, you're in you're in Nigeria. Wow. From the food we eat five, six, seven nights a week, from the way you're talking to the everything, the culture is everything is, you know, Nigeria, which is cool because yeah. it, it preserved those, you know, that heritage, it preserved that culture to where I understand the culture even though I wasn't living in Nigeria. Right. You know, so um but again, like I said, then you walk out, you're in the US and now you're 
with everybody else doing everything else, you know, and trying to navigate through that and understand that. And for me, like, I had no problem with that, you know, even down to like, back then Africa wasn't cool. So people would say, ah, oh, African booty scratcher, this and that. Oh, like, really? Yeah, oh, all the time. Why, but, why, do you, why do you think like, quote unquote, Africa wasn't cool? Well, because they, they didn't know. Their reference and what they saw of Africa was, you know. From the media. Pop, yeah, exactly. Poverty or this or that or um, Michael Blackson being on Friday talking the way he talked. You know that famous skit he had on Friday? Yeah. Like, you know, I can't get jiggy with this shit. Like, you know, shit like that is what they saw. So that's all they knew of Africa. So when they'll see me or they'll see other Africans, which, you know, the school I went to, I was probably one or two Africans. Yeah. So, um. They would just, you know, automatically try to crack jokes or they'll see my name, full name, Oluwa told me I did token ball, tell like way. So they'll see that long name on the, you know, the the roll call or whatever, and they'll try to make fun. But me, like, you can't make fun of me. It's not possible. For real? That what? I'll always hit them back. <laughs> and not saying it was right, but back then I'll hit them back with like, well, at least, you know, my family wasn't a slave. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'll be talking to like my, you know, so-called African American friends. Like again, not saying that that's right. But that would be my response, like, and that would shut them up, like, oh, damn, he's right. Like, yeah, back, back then, yeah. times were different. Back People then, were savage with jokes. You know, back then, they'd be like, damn, like, he's actually right. Like, we, like, my grandparents or my blah, blah, blah were slaves when his weren't, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, even other races, I'll shut them up with different things just because to me, it's like, you're not going to clown me and I'm not going to say nothing. 100%. Like, I'm not going to try to fight you or anything physically, but you talk your shit, I'm going to talk my shit. Yeah. Like, you know and so I mean? you've been, you really been embracing your culture and your ethnicity yeah. since the jump, right? I, to be honest, I've always knew it was an advantage because, again, not saying it was right or wrong, but growing up, looking at around the other people who looked like me as far as black people who were, you know, so-called African-Americans, they weren't balling or they weren't, you know, except the entertainers or the athletes, they were balling. But outside of that, the day-to-day -day people I was looking at, they weren't doing it big. But when I looked at my dad or my uncles who were doctors and lawyers and dentists, like they were doing it big. A hundred percent. So for yeah. me, I was just like, oh, for sure. Like us Africans, we 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 got it. Like we got the sauce. Like yeah. we got the benzes, the houses, the this and that. And you know, of course, like I said, being young, you don't realize that that's you know designed that way in societies, designed that way from different you know systematic racial situations and systems. I'm just looking at it from a standpoint of. Your dad don't drive a Benz, my dad's. So therefore, yeah. you're clowning on me, you're retarded because I'm way <laughs> fresher than you. Like, you feel me? That's just the way I looked at it. Um, so I never really cared or, you know, looked at it like, you know, I, I, I was, uh, you know, uh, uh, behind or I wasn't as good as them. Like, nah, I, I always felt I was better. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's why representation matters so much? You know what I mean? Because for you specifically, like you were blessed enough to grow up, grow up in a situation where you saw firsthand that your parents were successful yeah. and you had a, a case study for yourself yeah. of what you could be. Right. Exactly. But there's so many other stories of, you know, minorities or people of color that live in the hood or live mm -hmm. in like really mm -hmm. uh, like segregated areas that don't have that the opposite of exactly. that. Right. Exactly. And they and they they don't see somebody like them that are that is doing exactly. something that is of a higher status. Oh, yeah. So. Do you think that plays a role into that, the... That played a huge role. You know, again, just being around my parents, being around uncles and aunts and other people who, you know, on the weekends you'll go to like Nigerian weddings or birthdays or, you know, whatever it is, graduation, then seeing my culture dress up nicely, lavishly, seeing the nice cars, seeing the, the jewelry, you know, not saying that we praise these things, but seeing that their hard work, you know, being a lawyer, a doctor, a dentist, whatever they were, paid off to this kind of thing. They were able to raise their family. They were able to provide a home. They were able to, you know, 
go to private school. I went to private school majority of my life. Oh, like, really? Things like this, I saw as, okay, my parents are able to afford this because they worked hard and they were, you know, they created, they kept that African mindset compared to those, you know, I was looking at when I was in the streets, you know, not yeah. saying like the street streets, but when I was outside of the house, you'll see my other friends, whether African-American or not, they may not be doing as well because maybe they didn't have the opportunities, but also the culture is different. The African culture, the Nigerian culture is, you gotta work hard. You better come home with good grades. You better go to the hardest you can. You better be the top of your class. You, you know, so it was always that mentality of, you gotta go hard in whatever you're doing. Your and expectations are, are higher than other people like, who were born here, right? Like you better, you feel me? Like you have the opportunity to be here in the States and go to school. Your cousins back home don't even have the opportunity to get a visa yeah, or anything to come here. So you're squandering it, you know, doing what? Nah, you better be doing something. You better be going hard. Yeah. Now, I could relate to that because as like a Mexican and Latinx American, like there's so many stereotypes of my own that, you know, every culture has the stereotypes put on mm -hmm. them. Oh, like you just mow my lawn, do this, yeah. do that. You know what I mean? And then you, you're, you're put in a bubble yeah. that you don't understand you're put in unless you are seeing somebody exactly. do it like big yeah, time that's, you in, that's in your culture it. you definitely and and i again i going back into like i say african-american or blacks who are in this country it really stems from them not seeing that these things are possible now we see the representation now with like podcasts like earn your leisure and oh, all yeah. these things that we could, yeah we could see these things now but 10, 15, 20 years ago, you couldn't see these things. It That's was impossible so to see, unless it was, you know, Diddy on TV or Jay-Z, like I said, entertainers and sports players. But come on, that's one in a million who are making it there. So your local day-to-day -day people that you're seeing may not have showcased that. So as, yeah. a, as a person or a minority of color, you're just looking like, oh, damn, that's not for me. Not realizing that, yo, around the world, there's a lot of people who look just like you who are doing it and they're not in sports or entertainment. Yeah, and, and one of the, people talk about the like downsides of social media and the upsides of it, but one of the upsides is that, right? Like it's put a, a satellite and a, and, a, and a light on people doing mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. around the world mm -hmm. and you see people that look like you doing these type of things. Yep. Yep. Shout out to Earn Your Leisure, man. Yeah, I'm, Earn Your Leisure. I'm, I'm a very frequent Monday Market Mondays yeah, uh, listener. Yeah, I, I, I picked up so much game from that, you know? Yeah, I've been telling cats nowadays like, yo, there's no excuse to not make it in life. Because you literally have the blueprint to anything and everything you want. Facts. You know what I mean? Whether it's earning leisure or other podcasts, like you, they're giving you the blueprint. All mm -hmm. you have to do is obviously put in the time, work, and dedication. But yeah. as far as like the know-how, it's there. Like it's not, it's not rocket science. It's there. It's just on you it's, to actually put in the effort, that right? Comes, that comes down to people. You really want it or do you not? You feel yeah. me? Yeah. Like, it really just comes down to that. You know. hundred percent. So going back to your upbringing in Riverside. Um, you mentioned, you know, your parents were doctor, your parents, yeah. was, your, your dad was a doctor yeah. and you saw that growing up. Did they want that for you growing up? Did they want you to go that route of um, security? Not necessarily doctor, but yeah, they wanted, you know, some kind of professional field. You know, my first year of college, I was going to be an accountant. You know, my mm -hmm. dad was like, okay, I'm a doctor. Your brother's a doctor, you know, be an accountant so you can help us with the clinic and, you know, the numbers. Family finances. business. Exactly. Yeah. We had medical clinics. So it was, um... A situation where it was like that's what he was pushing um one i didn't like numbers two i didn't even like school um so it was like nah that didn't work out um then he was thinking maybe i should be a lawyer um but that didn't really work out either so you know i was just kind of like just you know floating around you know that kind of thing okay word so what what at what point was it that you decided that you wanted to pursue a, a musical career um to be honest 
I never decided that I wanted to pursue a musical career really? or anything. Like I've always just been doing music since a kid. Really? I, I was in band, I was in choir. I didn't make, so seventh grade, I remember, I tried out for basketball and I was thinking I was Allen Iverson. So I was just going and doing <laughs> crazy stuff. And realistically, I was good because, you know, I've been playing ball my whole life, you know, in church, in my backyard, this and that. But as far as like team goes, I hadn't really been on a team, but I was good enough. But I feel like low key, looking back at it, I feel like the coach or, you know, whoever was doing it that day was racist. Oh, when, really? Yeah, because he didn't pick me. You know what I mean? Like out of all the new seventh graders, like I was the rawest. You feel me? Yeah. Like, you know, you're talking about private school. So I'm really the rawest. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like. So he didn't pick me for whatever reason. And after that, I was just like, oh man, forget sports. And I signed up for band. I was in band, choir throughout the rest of my life. Never played sports after that. It's crazy how one person can detour somebody's life, right? right? Because right. if he had put you on the team, who exactly. knows what would happen? Maybe I would have been on you know, basketball hard, but to me, yeah. I really didn't care. Um, Everything happens for a reason. You feel me? Like, you know, I enjoyed band. Back then I was playing the trumpet. Um, I enjoyed it, you know, then I got into choir for school and I enjoyed that we were able to travel. We traveled to London, to Hawaii, to Florida, just to sing. So like, that was cool, you know, being in high school and being able to do that. Like that really got me into music, really understanding even how to read music, read notes and things like that. Like so, built the foundation. Yeah, for you. built the foundation. But then also I started throwing parties and started, you know, DJing a little bit. In was that in high, oh, high school? High okay. school, yeah. So our parents would go out of town, like on a doctor's conference or this or that. I'll throw parties in the garage. Okay. Like. I, in fact, one year I threw one of the biggest Halloween parties, oh, like so big that all the public schools around, like, were at my party as well, too. Like, wow, crazy to the point where that following week at school, some of the kids got in trouble because they were, you know, obviously underage drinking. That's not don't do drugs, kids don't yeah, drink. Don't do that. But they did that, and they came home hungover. So, of course, a lot of them started snitching, like, oh, we were at Tommy's house for a party, Tommy's house for a party. So come Monday, some of the students' parents reported me to the school. School now tries to bring me and my parents into it, like, oh, your kid's throwing parties, this and that. Of course, me, I denied everything, you know what yeah. I'm saying? I was like, you have no proof back then. There wasn't those, like, oh, you taking camera to prove it. Like, nah, like, we barely had cell phones, but they weren't, like, what we have now, you're talking about you know, sidekicks and you know all that yeah, kind of stuff. You can do that in these Back days. Then, yeah, <laughs> nowadays you everyone will show a picture of exactly what you were doing. It literally. But um, yeah, it, it, that's kind of how I got into music since that time, and it just never left me. Like I've always just loved music. What were some of your influences back then in terms of culture? Like, what were you listening to? What were you inspired by? Man. Like, what was what, what what made a big impact on you? Back then, the biggest impact of music was like Pharrell. Pharrell, okay. N-E-R-D, Pharrell, that whole Neptunes. stage. Neptunes, all that. Um, Diddy, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy back then. Um, Kanye was heavy influence. Dipset, Cameron, Cameron Purple Haze album was a huge influence on just music and what I love in life. You know, Swagger, you know, Girls, all that. Um, 50 Cent, huge influence as well too. Um, but you know, like literally everything, even like Wiz Khalifa, the whole Taylor Gang movement. You know oh, that's I mean? true. The mixtape era. Yeah, the mixtape era. You know, that was a big, you know, Cushion Orange Juice, that whole, mm -hmm. like all that combined was a huge influence. You know, yes, we were still listening, at least me in the, in the States. Yes, I was still listening to African music and things like that, but it wasn't rampant. I'll only really hear it when I'm at like weddings, birthdays, or when I go back to, you know, Nigeria. Yeah. But the day-to-day -day listen, no, nah, that's not what I was listening to. You know, until much later on when, like, David O and a couple other guys, Wiz, then dropped some early stuff, then we started hearing it even more. And, like, okay, people started coming back with CDs, you know, from Nigeria, and then we were able to 
listen to it more. Or when did Afrobeats start really picking up steam? Like when did it in first, America or in America? Overall. Okay, in, in America. Well, how about both? I'm interested in both. I mean, in Nigeria, it's always been there. Like from your Fela Kuti days, like my job, then it just migrates into a new sound from then on, you know, from, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Like there's always been a sound of Africa. There's always been artists pushing, you know what I mean? There's never not been artists pushing. But as far as the States, I'll say, man, um, really going big. It's been here since the 90s and early 2000s. But again, if unless you had like a copy of a CD or a tape from somebody, like there was no place to just go. And you didn't have access to exactly. it, right? Exactly. So somebody had to come back from there and give you. And even when they give it to you, if you lose it or it gets scratched up, then that's the end until you go back again. So, but I'll say like 2015. Okay. Around there, 2015, 2014, maybe even 13. Around that, that's when it really started penetrating, you know, America. Now, when I say penetrating, I'm not saying it was everywhere. I'm just saying it was accessible. Yeah. You could hear it. You know, there were some maybe African lounges that you can go to in Houston or Atlanta that you'll hear these. Some like of niche spots. Exactly. It was nothing like today, but yeah. you say it was, you can, it, it's possible to find it. Yeah, so the it's always from what it sounds like it's always been a thing obviously in Africa but it has turned into what it is today uh, just yeah. through the natural natural progression of the sound. Yeah, the natural progression of the sound and then now having like we said the internet. Yeah, you have social media. Mm -hmm. So now you have a, a chance to where Whiskey could drop something and everyone's going to know about it in the world, not just Africa. Mm -hmm. You know, Burner Boy could drop something and everyone is going to know from it, not just Africa. So because we have no, like, there's literally a no blockage to anything you want to see or hear in the world right now. I can listen to music from, you know, Spain if I want to today. I can go and listen to all Kurdish music if I want to today. Like, whatever it is yeah. I want to listen to, I have it on my phone. We have Spotify, Apple Music. So I think that then, you know, broke all the barriers because at that point, like, what's stopping you from listening to Afrobeats? Yeah, and yeah. My, my question to you is what what do you think caused you to have, like, a sort of a calling to really, it was, you know, um, bring it to Los Angeles and champion it? Well, I wouldn't even say I brought it to Los Angeles because I'll be a, a, a lie if I say that. Like, right, but, like, like, but like contribute to the movement of it in Los it Angeles, was, I would um, say. Man, maybe about six, seven years ago now, um... I had been going to like some parties um, in Inglewood, Savoy. It was one of the original Afrobeat nights out here in LA. Okay. It's in Inglewood, um, shout out Jonathan. Um, I've been going there and I was just like, yo, this is cool, it's vibes. Like, you know, we're having a good time, this and that. Then I went to a Mr. Easy concert that um, the other homies had put on Amplify Africa, shout out to Timmy and Dammy as well. Um, and I was like, this is cool, this is dope. What but year was this? This around? was, man. One twenty twenty three. It's like two thousand seventeen, two thousand sixteen. Okay. You know what I mean, yeah, yeah, something like that. Two thousand sixteen, two thousand. Um, but I, I went to them and I was like, these are cool. But you know, naturally, me the way I am, it's like if I see something, I'm just like, yo, I could do it better. Okay. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, this is cool, but it's not. Like we can turn this up a little bit more. In terms know? of the event aspect. In terms of, of the well, really, the event was packed out. That Mr. Easy concert I was talking about, but the music was not dope. Until I think the last DJ, I want to say maybe it was Major League, the last DJ, I don't know. But majority of the music that night just was not hitting. And I was just like, bruh. I mean, at that time, I was DJing, but I wasn't DJing full-on Afro. I only DJ Afro for, like, maybe weddings or, like, you know, like, family things. Yeah. But I was DJing. At that time, I was, you know, doing Big Sean, Rick Ross, you know, like. Top I was 40. Booking, not only DJing that, but I was booking them for events. Oh, and wow. Clubs and stuff like that. For Los Globos, I brought Big Sean and, um. 
made in Tokyo. There. So were you were you a booking agent or manager for no, Los Cobos? I was just or? I was just put up my own bread, throw a party. Oh, so you were throwing the events yeah, just for just it. Throw a party, you know, try to make some money. Like that's literally <laughs> what I was doing. Hustling. Um, you know, rest in peace, Nipsey Hustle. I even did the same thing for him in Riverside. Oh wow! I brought Nipsey out to Riverside, brought him to a barbershop, did a show, meet and greet, this kind of stuff. What a time! Yeah, exactly. What a wow. time! Um, one of the first shows he did in Miami, because after I did that in Riverside, my homegirl was in Miami. He's like, "Yo, can you bring him out here?" I set that deal up, so we went out there as well, and we did something, you know, with Nipsey Hussle out there. He hosted an event for her. She had, like, a fashion show and stuff like that. So, you know, that was the lane that I was in as far as musically. And I was DJing, but I wasn't going hard in DJing. I was only DJing enough because they were my parties. So it's like I may hire, like, a headlining DJ, but I'll DJ the Open first up. hour or two just to get the vibes going, you know, save some money, that kind of thing. What what caused you, or, like, where did you, how did you learn to do this? Did the, you just start doing it and throw yourself? I mean, I don't, like, to me, everything was just common sense, you know? Okay. It was kind of like, okay, I want to make money. If I book this artist for $3,000, this place holds 500 people, I charge the people X amount of dollars, I can make this much money. I'll make this much in profit. I could pay everybody else this. Like to me, it was just trying to make money. Simple you know? math. Simple math. Just common sense. But I also like I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed getting fresh. I enjoyed being around artists and the, like it was just my lifestyle. So it was like, why not make money off of it? It wasn't any like special decision. Like yo, I'm trying to be top promoter. Like I still don't even call myself a promoter. And people were like, oh, you promote part? I'm like, no, nah, I don't. I just I'm just telling me I just do what I do. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like some days I'm DJing. Some days I'm doing fashion. Some days I'm smoking weed, just chilling with some chicks. Some days, like, you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah. like, it's just living life. Like, you know what I that's mean? That's a blessing to have that type of life. I feel like Man. that's a certain level of freedom that Man. people don't, people can't attain, right? But the thing about it is it took time and dedication, consistency to get there. You know what I mean? Like, there was a time in my life after my first year of college, like, I tell people all the time, like, my dad was like, it's a Nigerian daddy should. He said, you got to get a job or you got to be in school. Right. And I was just like, nah, right now I just kind of want to do my thing, figure it out. Right then and there, that was a Sunday. I packed my bags. I left the house. My mom wasn't even home yet. I left the house, told the home. You didn't company. say shit to nobody? I told, I mean, I told my dad I'm leaving because he was oh, like, yeah. he gave me that ultimatum. He was like, go or stay. But if you're staying, you have to get a job or be in school. I just came back my first year of college. I didn't like school. So I was like, I'm not going back to school. And plus it was in Huntsville, Alabama. I was like, I'm not oh, going shit. back to Alabama. Oh yeah. Nah, bro. So I left literally right then and then. My mom had to even call me that evening. Like you left, you was crying. She was like, you didn't even tell me this and that. I mean, I was like, nah, I just turned 19. So, you know, I'm not a baby, but it's like for a mother. Yeah, that, that's your yeah, baby. You always her baby. You're the youngest, right? Yeah, and I'm the youngest. So, mm -hmm. you know, she was crying. I was like, yo, I just got to do what I got to do. And for the next year or so, I was on people's couches. Oh, wow. I was hustling in the streets. I was like, you know, mind you, I had a, a, a nice crib at the house with a car, talking about basketball course, swimming pool, like nice, but I'm living on the street because I chose to not go to school or go get a job. During that time, were you kind of thinking a little bit like, damn, did I, like, is, were you kind of second guessing yourself and thinking whether or not you made the right move? Never. Never? Never. And I don't say that to be cocky. I just say that because I was enjoying my life so much that I couldn't even think that way. Oh. You feel me? Yeah. Like, to me, I didn't mind sleeping on the slum. And, like, I actually wanted to be in the streets. Because my whole life I had been in this sheltered, like, private situation, you know, going off to college in a private school, coming back, this and that. Like, I was like, nah, man, I want to be in the streets. I want to see. At that time, Rick Ross just came out with Every Day I'm Hustling. You know, Jeezy was out yeah. slanging, this and that. I wanted, I was like, yeah, I'm... I'm Trap 101, <laughs> trap or die, like well, I'm in the streets, was popping. That's that was my mentality. And it was cool because I got to learn a lot. Mm -hmm. I have to, I learned about hustling. I learned about, you know, 
all these various street activities, you know, but at the same time, I was smart enough to know, don't go that deep into it. Okay. Do you see what I'm yeah. saying? It was one of those things where it's like, all right, let me put one foot in, let me understand it, let me make a little bit of money. But when they're talking about doing some wild extravagant shit, I'm yeah. just like, oh, I'm gonna back up. And you know, God saved me because there's been a few times where, you know, the people I was hanging with went off to do some wild things that I stayed behind and some of them got arrested a couple mm -hmm. times. In fact, it easily one, been you. One of them just got out of jail maybe about three, four years ago. Oh shit. For some stuff. Wow. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, I was always one of those guys who was like, I'll put myself in positions to see what's going on, but I'm not going to be that guy who's just going to jump. The, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't like, I by no way was I trying to be a gangster. Was I trying to be a tough guy? Nah, it was just like, yo, I'm a fresh guy. I'm a hustler. We're going to make a little bit of bread, but all that other stuff, you could miss me with it. I'm not, I'm not with that. Most definitely. So everything you, you, you kind of learned in regards to like throwing events and all that, it was self-taught and yeah, experience, self -taught. right? But also self-taught, but also the, like I said, my dad owned medical clinics. So growing up, I saw my dad run a business. The business out of it. Exactly. Okay. Like you know, on the summers, I'll go work in the clinics or, you know, I'll be around the clinics, things like that. So like I understood the the mindset of you buy something or you create something and you have to sell it, create a profit, and you have staff, you have this, you have, you know, I understood what it took to actually, you know, go out there and do something. So that to me, was just, I've always like, I've literally only had a couple of jobs, you know, besides working for my parents, I've actually had two, maybe three, right? Okay, Chuck E. Cheese, I worked there for like, oh, Chuck e. Cheese, yeah, for like for two real? days, Damn, two days. I worked at Hollister for like- I worked at Hollister too. Couple weeks, day. holiday season, couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and then UPS Freight or FedEx Freight, one of the two, they had like a freight, but again, that was like two days and afterwards they were like, ah, uh, perhaps you need to leave, that kind of thing. Like all my jobs, I got fired because I'll come in when I want, I'll be lazy. Like I was just unmotivated to do somebody else's job. Cause I always look at it as like, why am I making this guy rich? Yeah. You feel me? Oh. Why am I making this person, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paying this guy's bills while I'm getting chump changed. Like, nah, I got to figure out something else, you know? So that's what, after that really got me into like, you gotta be promoting, you gotta, you know, there was a time where I was doing like college parties and, you know, we'll just be promoting college parties all every week, every week, just going hard, like, you know, and that led into one thing to another, then, you know, the college will say, oh, I saw you did this thing for Big Sean or Rick Ross, do you think you can hook them up with our, you know, whatever staff, I'm mean, not, whatever, um, what do you call it, a student, the student, student union like, yeah, association. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. always have that party. Yeah, yeah. so they always hit me up, I'm like, you think you hook me up this? So for a time, I we had brought Dom Kennedy, that was another artist, LA artist. We was that for first. Cal Poly Pomona? That was for UCR. UCR. UCR and okay. RCC, yeah. Okay. It's funny about it, I never went to UCR, but people thought I went to UCR, because I was always on campus. <laughs> I was that dude, like, yeah. like what? what is this guy doing? But everyone knew me, and I was always on campus partying with them, throwing parties, linking them with artists, whatever it was, that was just my job. I was technically enrolled in RCC, but I wasn't even going to class at that time okay. either. So it was just like, I was just there, just chilling. Like That was crazy. Yeah. So you you always known that you never wanted to go that corporate life oh, for get sure. a job. For sure. For sure, like there's even in high school, I used to burn CDs. Any CD that comes out, go to Best Buy, purchase it, go burn it, sell them for $5 a piece. So wow. maybe I'll buy a CD for like 20 bucks, 22 bucks. By the time the week is done and I've sold CDs, I've probably made three, 400 bucks off that CD. So you just learn how to how to hustle. I mean, it was common sense. Yeah. You feel me? Like <laughs> you want the, you want the new Eminem Marshall? Yeah, you want the new CD? Great, I'll get it for you. Don't worry. And you're not gonna have to pay twenty two bucks for it. You're gonna pay five. You Make feel me? Happen. Like.
Yeah. You know? And what, what you and to think about it, what you're doing now is just like a different version of that, yeah, exactly. right? Like exactly. whether it's with your fashion line, whether exactly. it's with your Yeah, you dance. just have to adapt to the times. That's it. Adapt to the times. You know, I always tell cats like if I was in high school right now and the technology that they have what yeah you do you have so many side hustles I'll, I'll be making more money than my teachers wow i'm telling you that period right man so so getting back to the storyline uh you were throwing these events you know booking big sean artists like rick ross and mm -hmm. whatnot so what caused you to start tribe vibes and what at what point did you um, kind of like concept that that was like i said that was about you know six seven years ago or so now about about six years ago um, after that concert, I went to that Mr. Easy one. I was thinking, ah, I could, you could do this better. better yeah. So I literally hit them up. The guys who threw that party, I was just like, yo, your next party, I'm gonna come DJ for free. So for about three parties of theirs, I DJ for free, for free. I was the opening DJ, but I was just DJing for free. And what was the purpose behind you doing that? One, getting better in this thing called um, Afro beats. You know what I mean? Because like, again, I was playing the music. We were listening to the music, but I wasn't playing it frequently enough. Because you yeah. didn't have the crowd for it. Exactly. Like, right? There was yeah. no crowd for it. Like, the most I would play it was when I go to a wedding or I go to, you know, like you're hanging around cousins or so that come out of town that we're messing around. But as far as, like, playing it all night, there wasn't even that those kind of parties to do so. The only parties that were going on was, like I said, Savoy and then um, Amplify Africa. They'll throw parties here and there. But there wasn't enough parties to be able to say, hey, every weekend I'm going out spinning Afrobeats. So eventually, you know, I, I would DJ for them for free a couple times. Somebody hit me up. It was a Caribbean party actually called Bless Up. Shout out to um, Kashif and then Silo. They hit me up. I was like, yo, we're going to pay you 150 to come DJ. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So now somebody's paying me to DJ. And they wanted Afrobeats because, like I said, at that time, Afrobeats just kind of broke. They yeah. were used to doing, you know, Caribbean dance hall parties. Mm -hmm. But they knew that we need to start including Afrobeats in it because Afrobeats was getting popular. Drake had dropped that thing with Wiz. And, you know, there yeah. were a couple of things going on that was bubbling. So they had booked me and they kept booking me. The price kept going up, kept going up. And before you know it, like I linked up with um, the other two homies out here, uh, Major League and Black Pages. Okay. And um, they, they were already doing, you know, stuff out here. They were already DJing and things like that. And I just kind of linked up with them. I was just like, bro, like we need to throw our own parties. Like we're waiting for these promoters to throw parties. Let's throw our own parties. Like let's get our own bread. I have already been throwing parties in the hip hop space. So I kind of knew how to get a venue. You know, I mean, maybe if we need to get a bar, whatever it is we need to do, I could set it up. We set it up. We're Hollow Boys. We started. We kept doing it. We're now we were, I guess, like we could say we were the first DJs in the Afrobeat space to throw on parties out here. You know, yeah. Um, before that, you know, there was events and venues like Savoy. Um, I believe Lentini was at Savoy and he was working with them at Savoy, but that wasn't outside of Savoy. That wasn't outside of them just throwing their own parties. We were the first ones to do that. Shout out to Lentini as well. Um, and what what year was this where you decided? This is I guess I want to say around 2017, 18. Okay. You know, it's all within that time frame of you know just jumping in that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and then we were just throwing parties, and then you know fast forward, you know we're still in the city throwing parties. I'm still throwing my parties. Pages is still throwing his parties. Major's still doing it. Crazy. You know, like, a, and now a lot of people are starting their own parties. Oh, there's so many now, parties now, out there. Now it's a regular thing. Yeah. Now it's just, you know, but back then there it wasn't. Like mm -hmm. you couldn't, like for instance, this weekend I can go out and go to about five different Afro-Caribbean parties. Yep, you can. Back then it was like, you're lucky if you had one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? and you do you love to see stuff like that now, yeah. right? Oh, like, yeah, now, because now the money's even better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now there's, it, people are more receptive to it. Now there's more options. So it's like, 
cool. Like we doing Afrobeat Hollywood every Saturday night. We call it sold out Saturdays because we selling out every Saturday. I love that. All the tables <laughs> are sold. You know, we hit about capacity most nights. So it's like regardless, it's you know, it's it's a good thing. What has that done for your confidence as both like in a, somebody who throws events and as like a DJ and a producer? You know what I mean? Um, to see something that you like envision mm -hmm. in your head and to see it grow to what it is today, does mm -hmm. that give you a certain level of belief in yourself that you can grow something to like that yeah. measure? Yeah, I, I, I imagine it does, you know, but at the same time, like my confidence has already been on 110. So it really does, you feel me? <laughs> you already knew like, that Yeah, and not to say that in a cocky way, but just to just like, yo, I'm a sure guy. Like there's nothing about it. Like I know what I'm going to do is popping. I know my taste level is good. I know whatever I deliver to people is going to be of quality. And that's not even just for myself, that's for themselves. Like I want to do quality things for people because I want them to enjoy that. You know, I don't want people to say, oh, I'm going to, you know, uh, this Afrobeat party that's just all right or just like, you know, it's it's just there. No, I'm going to this dope ass party because the vibe is going to be right. The music is going to be right. The drinks are going to be right. The girls are going to be right. The you know, like it has to be of quality. I'm not just trying to do anything. My flyers, quality. The video recaps, quality. The names, the vibes, the artists, the DJs we book, everything has to be a quality because if Poppy or Highlight Room or, you know, all these other companies in Hollywood and LA can give you that quality, why can't why, you? you feel me? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no difference between <laughs> Afrobeats. In fact, at this moment, Afrobeats is better and more popping than hip hop. And I could say really that. Is. Quote me on that mm -hmm. one for sure. Yeah, uh, no, for sure. And what do you think is the difference, just speaking on the confidence piece, between confidence and cockiness and also belief self-belief so cocky is when you're just trying to pop your shit because you want to pop your shit and show oh i got this i got that and you know you're just trying to pop your shit because you want to sell people you got it or you're a big man or you're a big girl that's cocky confidence is knowing that what i'm doing is actually good but not only is it good it's helping out you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm confident that if you come to my store and get some gear, you are going to look good when you wear that gear. People are going to ask, where'd you get that jacket from? Where'd you get that hat from? I'm confident that the shit that I'm making is solid. It's proper. I'm not giving you no bullshit. You feel mm -hmm. me? So I'm confident with that. That's, you know, when you're just cocky and just, you know, it's just kind of like, ah, all right, bro. I've seen it. Like, I've seen the stack of money. I've seen the jewels. I've seen all that. That's cool. But how does that help the next man or the next woman does that even give them a better experience when they come to your party no like yeah. you know like when i come when i at my parties for instance i'll pop bottles for myself i'll pop bottles for my guests we'll do the whole you know the whole thing but at the same time if i see some people standing around just looking at the bottle like oh they can't attain to it i'll be like yo bro here's some champagne oh so you share the experience here, bro. because like i know maybe not everybody can get that experience and i don't want people to feel like they're left out like, I'm one of the big believer in that. I don't want people to feel like they're left out. Like, yo, you can't afford a drink? All right, come on, baby, here. Have, yeah. You feel me? Like, it's not going to kill me. It's going to, they're going to enjoy it. They may even go home like, man, I've never experienced something like that. Yeah, that's what I want. You know what I mean? I'm confident that you come to my club, you're going to have a good time. Yeah, no, I, I take two things from what you said right now. Like, cockiness to me and your definition kind of sounds like it's talk without backing it exactly. up, right? Like, you're making noise, but you yeah. really don't like believe what you're saying mm -hmm. and confidence in the way that you kind of described it too kind of sounds to me like it comes from within because you're not 
depending on somebody else's opinion of what you're doing exactly. to get that confidence. Exactly. It comes from you and you can control your you, own narrative you, you with that, me? right? Like, yo, I don't care what it is that I'm doing, how I'm moving, I'm gonna be one of the dopest in doing it. And if I'm not, if I'm running a race and I'm not first place, I guarantee I'm gonna look fly doing hey. it. Whatever place <laughs> I get, I'm gonna look fly and we're still gonna celebrate and have a good time regardless. And that, yeah. that's the confidence you have to have. It can't be just based around, okay, well, if I don't have the jewels, then I'm not dope anymore. No, jewels or no jewels, I'm dope. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, whatever the situation is, I'm dope. Because nobody could take that from you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Possible. Somebody could take, if if you're getting your confidence from, like, an exterior factor, mm -hmm. once that exterior factor is gone, your it's confidence done. is gone. But it's if it comes done. within you, you could have nothing. You feel me? You know? Yeah. It's especially, like, I see it all the time. Like, cats that may come in the club, they pop big bottles, this and that, going crazy. And they're just sitting there looking miserable. But then as soon as some girls come to their table, then they're like, oh, yeah, for sure. So it just lets me know, like, okay, the women and the girls is what's making you feel this way like you're a big man. But take the girls away, you're not a big man. Take yeah. the bottles away, you're not a big man. It shouldn't be like that. You need to have that vibe and that energy like, yeah, I'm, I'm good and what I'm securing who I am without the bottles, without the girls. You get what I'm saying? And again, not knocking anybody who does all that for sure. Come keep popping bottles, enjoy yourself. But... You know, do understand that bottles or not, you still, you feel me? You're still a somebody. You're still him. <laughs> you feel yeah. me? And, and if you come to the club and you can't pop bottles, that's fine because you're still a somebody. Like, we're all people. We're all just working off of the level of understanding that we have. We're working off the level of finances that we have. We're working off the level of responsibilities that we have. Like, so just do that for your own level. Don't worry about anybody else. Man, these are gems being dropped, man. I appreciate you sharing the codes on there. Oh, Cheers, brother. Appreciate you coming through once again. Oh, of course. Um, man. so going back to the to the tribes, love the name too, by the way. Uh, what is one of your favorite aspects of throwing these events? Um, again, it's it's just seeing people enjoy themselves. Um, there's been a few times in the past few years where people will hit me up and be like, "Yo, man, I don't think you understand. Like, we appreciate you throwing these things. Like." We work hard nine to five all week and we just want a place to be able to come and hear our music or eat our food or, you know, vibe with our culture and bringing that to the city. Like to me, that is just like, yo, you can't beat that. Like being able to say now you're adding to the culture. Yeah. Like, you know, not even on a financial standpoint, but just adding to the culture of their enjoyment. Like that's what? That's unbeatable. It's a special feeling, too. Like, you can't really put a price on that, I feel like. Because I feel something similar with this podcast, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I mm -hmm. feel like I'm contributing to culture. Like, exactly. I'm sharing the stories of people. Even though I'm... Then that's the thing, too. Like, everybody has a role, right? You don't necessarily... You could be a fan of something and not try to be that exactly you could yeah, you could yeah, find yeah, your yeah. way to fit in uh -huh. and still contribute exactly. towards that exactly. so i feel something really similar in yeah, that way yeah i mean that, that's if you always come and operate from the space of your giving back not necessarily saying giving back to charity but giving back to that culture giving back to that environment giving back to that society i think you'll always win yeah right? because there's no way you're not going to feel good about it like that shit feels the, good at the end of the night when the drunk homies come up to you like oh man great party and they're hugging you and grabbing you just like uh-huh you know like that yeah. that feeling is priceless you get what i'm saying mm -hmm. because he probably had to go through whatever bullshit he went through all week his job his boss his girl is this whatever it is but he felt a good time at this party and he enjoyed himself and it's like i'm able to add to that it's like that's dope and you're able to forget about all that other shit exactly. and that news that's such a dope you're providing a space for exactly. people to escape yeah. you know that's it that's it that's to me that's the best part of it 
you know, obviously, um, you know, fast forward to today, being able to create an income out of it, yeah. being able to, you know, create a lifestyle and being able to create a, a, a financial stability out of music and, you know, fashion and things like that. Obviously, that's dope. You know, we all want to be able to do that in whatever field we're in. But, you know, that's always going to be the byproduct. If you just do something well, you feel me? If you, you actually take your time to make sure things are good, that's always gonna come like that's a no-brainer yeah absolutely what do you what do you think you've learned the most about yourself and entrepreneurship through uh chai vibes um i've learned in business in general i've learned that you got to take care of the team first okay. or you got to take care of those who are you get what i'm saying because that's what's actually moving these things you know your staff you know whether it's my front door girl the security the bottle girls you know um, you know, the homies who are around supporting you, you know, they're rolling out with you, this and that, like, that's what's moving the situation and moving, keeping those wheels turned. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could think of parties and I could think of ideas and all that kind of stuff, but without the team, that execution is dead. Yeah. Especially when I travel and things like that, you know, if I travel out of town and my parties are still going on this and that I'm relying on the team, you know, a thousand percent because yeah. I'm not even there. You know, so as an entrepreneur, that's really been like the, the, the thing I've learned the most and even learned about myself, make, making sure that I'm able to, you know, be there for the staff. You know what I'm saying? Be there for the team, be there for those who are around me. Like, you know, I had to kind of really make sure I understood that. And, you know, it took, it took a little bit of time because, when, you know, when you start making money as a party promoter, or as a DJ, you're thinking, oh, this is all my money. I'm making money, this and that. But the reality is just as much as you're making, you need to make sure you're dishing out. You get True, what I'm saying? Yeah. You need to make sure everybody's eating. I'm talking about even tipping. Like, I try to make sure I tip, you know, the, even down to the busboys and things like that. Oh, wow. At the end of the night, I follow up a bunch of 20s. I told my front door girl, like, yo, put together 320s because I'm going to give 15 people. Bless the team. All 20s apiece. Like, you know what I mean? Why? Because they're working hard. You feel me? At the end of the day, they're busting all these tables. Everyone's popping bottles. They're the ones cleaning it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so they're only getting paid. I don't know how much minimum wages or whatever they like. I don't know, but I'm just saying, yo, an extra twenty dollars tip from me at the end of the night. You know, that's that's my way of saying thank you. And it means a lot to them too. Oh. Yeah, they're gonna remember that, and they're gonna want to work that much harder for you too, probably. Yeah. I mean, even if they do or they don't, like that's on them. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. When I give stuff out and I do stuff to people, I don't even think about what I'm. Gonna you don't do expect. Better. I don't. Nothing. Well, because like I got enough on my own. Yeah. So it's like I always tell people like, don't worry about what the next person is doing. If you just worry about your pockets, even if they don't pay you or if they don't, uh, you know, uh, praise you or they don't, you know, show some kind of blah blah blah. Like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm chilling on my own. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, what you're doing is not gonna hurt me. Like, you feel me? One hundred percent, man. So, speaking on the entrepreneurship piece of it, you also have Tea Gallery, which yeah. is the fashion, yeah, the fashion open. store, right? Yeah, it's um. I mean, I don't want to say it's the first, you know, Nigerian American boutique out here in downtown LA or in Los Angeles, but um, yeah, you know, I I, I don't really know any other name ones. another one. You know, yeah, if there is, the you know, yeah, you know, no disrespect to anybody, but if there is, you know, let's let's do some work. But if not, but um, yeah, T Gallery, eight two five South Los Angeles Street. Um, we opened it up about three weeks ago now, about almost a month. I've had the space for a while, just trying to figure out how to put it together, but it's finally open. Congratulations, dog. Uh, thank you. You know, these pants, T Gallery. This jacket, T Gallery. This hat, T Gallery. Is this this chain right here? T Gallery. Ooh, we got the accessories so, yeah, too. Yeah, we got accessories. We got everything. You know, so it's a combination um, of T Gallery standing for Tribe Gallery. Um, you know, it's a tribe brand, but it's basically a gallery because we're mixing a lot of art with it. 
and we are also mixing other brands. So we have Fresh I Am, you know, which is one of the you know in-house brands. Um, Fresh I Am, shout, shout out to Tunde. Um, I said Fresh I Am is a brand out of ATL originally, been around for about you know I want to say about ten years or so. Um, our boy Tunde moved out here to LA and he was just getting busy, you know. And then we kind of clicked up, we linked up, you know. I saw what he was doing, he saw what I was doing, um, and we we're able to come together to start a partnership. So, you know, you know, I'm, I'm glad and I'm proud to be able to say I'm a part owner of Fresh I Am, um, as he is a part owner of Tribe, and we just do this together. You know, what I mean, we make this thing happen. And you know, he's a crazy fashion head designer, like you know. Virgil blow stats. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. you know what I mean. He's just. I gotta check him out. Yeah, he's a he's a crazy designer, crazy fashion head, and um, you know, I mean, I'm a businessman, I'm a finance guy, I'm a you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like we can, we can get things moving, and and me, I just I, I like to dress, you know. Yeah. So, you know. Did you find it like a a way of expressing yourself? You know. Yeah, definitely a way of expressing myself, but also it's like as a young person, like my dad always made me dress. Like the night before, we'll have to iron our clothes to go to school. Oh, okay, so it was like, it was always like be put together, you know, not necessarily saying you got to have the freshest name brand and this and that, but it's just be put together. Presentable. Tucking your shirt, you know what I mean? Like okay. that's what time wow. he was on. Wow. Yeah, yeah, my dad was on that time. <laughs> Tucking your shirt, you know, look presentable, look good, you know, that kind of thing. Comb your hair, you know, all that kind of that stuff. That just manifests itself in a different way today, right? Exactly. How you put together your fits. Yeah, yeah, now it's just like, you just always want to be clean in whatever you're doing. Make sure you're clean, make sure it looks good, make sure, um, you know, like, you represent yourself because when people see you, they're going to see that first before That's they point. before they talk to you before anything. They're going to see how is this person showing up? How do they look? That's their know? first impression of you, exactly. right? Exactly, and vice versa. The first impression on people is like, I look okay. What is he wearing? Where is she wearing? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's legit been girls that haven't hollered at because they don't know how to dress. <laughs> I'm not going to front because the reality is, if I'm a, if I'm taking a girl out to dinner, we go on, you know, to catch or one of these nice places, grab some yeah. shit, like. If I'm looking fresh and she's looking like, whoa. Bro, this is so funny. I had this same conversation with uh, my, my boy John Ojo, owns the brand Little Africa. Mm, um, that's he, my guy. Oh, no, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We had this same talk about him like taking a very high attention to the way he dresses and like you we had a to. whole segment about like. Shout out, know, shout out Little Africa for sure. Out. You gonna be in T Gallery. I'm gonna hit you up this week. Hey, make it happen. <laughs> but, yeah. Speaking on that, you seem like a very collaborative person. Like yeah. the common theme I've noticed throughout this conversation is in your story, you're so open to collaborating with yeah, other people. Sure. Is that something that well, really because to you? Russell Simmons says something early on. He said, "I'm not the smartest pe person." but I surround myself with the smartest. I surround my, or I hire the smartest. You know, for me, it's like, I'm not the best designer. I'm not the best DJ. I'm not the best businessman. I'm not, like, I'll easily say I'm not the best at anything, but I am the best in getting things done. Okay. So if that means I need to get this person, this person, this person, if we need to collaborate, if we need to, whatever it is we need to do, the end goal is what we're looking for. What is the, you know, my dad always says, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Because you will see it. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't need to be the, the the greatest or this or that, but if I can collaborate with those who are great, I know I'm bringing something great to the table. If they're bringing something great to the table and they you know, really are about what they say they're about, then we're gonna make something happen. And we're yeah. Gonna yeah, for sure. That's good, that's good that you have that. Cause you know, somebody with s as much confidence as you, you know what I mean, that you have, Sometimes I feel like people can let it, you know, get to their head and they think that nah. they're the best at everything and anything. That's like crazy. you have a certain level of what it seems of yeah. like discipline of yeah. like knowing how to have that confidence in yourself, but not letting yeah. it get your ego inflated. Yeah. Right. Nah, Yeah. I'm not the, 
you know, even a lot of my parties, like people were like, oh, you're not closing out DJ. You're not, I'm just like, I don't need to prove that I'm the best DJ or I'm the best, you know. And it's not about you. Yeah, yeah. it's not like, that's irrelevant. You know, if the homie's in town or if this person's here, this, yo, let them close out. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's not gonna hurt me to let them close out. You know what I mean? Or, so it's just about the way you look at life. Like, there's so much, there's so many people, first of all, and there's so much to do. And there's so many things, there's so many ideas. Like, how could you say yours is the best? It's impossible. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it's me? subjective too. And you feel me? Mm -hmm. It's like, people be like, oh, I got the baddest chick. I got, how? That, your chick, okay, she looks good, but she's the baddest to you. Do you realize to me, how many countries there are? You feel world? me? To me, <laughs> she's I. You feel me? Like, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, there is no such as best. Like, you know, you just gotta do, do what you do. And, you know, hopefully you're doing something right. Absolutely. How do you how do you manage to wear so many hats? Like, how do you find the balance in a giving them all enough attention for them to like, I don't know, prosper? And then also, how do you first? Let's start off there. Piece yeah. piece by piece. Um, you know, if you notice, like I don't like everything that I've done. It's not just all at once. So the boutique didn't come when the party started. The parties didn't come when I did. Like I literally started DJing. Then the parties came. Then the brand came. Then the boutique came. Then, or the, before the boutique, then the events came, like having my own, you know, Saturday night. Then the brand, you know, then the boutique came. So it's, it's piece by piece, you know, like the, the saying of how do you devour a whale? Piece by piece. You can't just eat the whole whale at once. You gotta chop, chop, Yeah. Chop. I, okay. So it's just chopping, you know what I mean? Um, right now I have the boutique out. I'm focused on the boutique, you know, making sure we have the right brands in there with the right activations and things like that. Um, but in a couple months from now, I'm headed back to Nigeria and I'm going to be focused solely back on music, you know, as far as production, working with artists and things like that. So I know I have between now and top of December to, you know, hash out everything I need to hash out for the boutique. So the wheels are turning, it's moving smoothly. You know, we have events lined up, we have artists, we have brands and all that kind of stuff. So then when I do focus on, you know, back on the music full on, I don't have to worry so much about the boutique. I you see, know, yeah. So you just gotta kind of break it up. Like you can't do everything, you know, every day I don't wake up trying to do all of it. You know, no, I wake up today, all right, cool, I'm gonna focus on X, Y, and Z. What's in front of you? Yeah, focus on this. You know, if I know I have some events coming up, cool, we'll take a day, let's focus on the events, let's get the marketing materials put together, let's, you know, you know, execute this and that. All right, then we back to the boutique. You know, whatever it is, like you just gotta piece it up. You know? And time management sounds like it's a big aspect of it too, Yeah, I'm right? trying to work better on that, because me, like, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not friend, like, I'm a night eye and I wake up late. So. Well, you are, you are a free spirit, right? Yeah, so, so you do what you want when I'm you want trying to. to. I'm trying to, time management, I'm trying to be better at that like even today like i my, my timing was horrible you know what i mean like I, I was with my girl this morning and she just kept me in, in the house and in bed till like late it'd be so, like that man i got my girl so, the same thing with me so you know by the time i got out i only had time to go get a haircut and come straight here you know so there was so much other stuff i wanted to do beforehand but i didn't get a chance to do so yeah time management like i know things like that though but i'm not too hard on myself because you have to experience those things in life it's part of an experience, you know, teacher. laying up with your girl in bed all morning. That's an experience that yeah. you're not always going to have. So you have to, you know, enjoy those experiences. You have to, you know, those kind of things. I believe that, man. I do believe that with the with the time management thing, that kind of like reminds me of something that uh, Elon Musk has said. And people have different opinions on Elon Musk and that's fine. But like one of the things that he said that resonated with me is just that, you know, if you give yourself a month to get a task done, it'll take you a month. If you give yourself a week to get it done, it'll take you a week. You give yourself a day to get it done, it'll take you a day and so on, right? So that just goes to show you like the internal time clock you put on yourself to get something done is how long it's gonna take you to get there, done. There's proof of that from this week actually. Really? 
I've had so many parking tickets just stacked up. Like, oh, for I'm real? The worst with parking Man, tickets. Man, LA's, LA, LA's like that, though. The they worst. <laughs> so they've just been piling up, piling up, piling up, piling up. So this week I went to my mail, I saw another one. I was like, damn, I need to just collect all the ones that I saw from before, Sheesh. put them all together. It was probably like 20 mails, pieces of mail. Oh, damn. Tickets. A lot. Yeah, a lot. That's a lot of bread. You're talking about for the, yeah. Thank you. You're talking about <laughs> for the past couple, like this is a, uh, since last year type stuff. So I hit my assistant. I was like, yo, I'm going to send over this stack, put them all together in an Excel sheet, put out the total, call these people, let's know what we need to pay, blah, blah, blah. Within two hours, bam, she got everything done. We paid it off and it was done because I decided I need to take care of this today. But all those other times, I used to keep saying, oh, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, or I'll take care of it tomorrow, or I'll get it next week. Yeah. So like you said, when you decide that you have X amount of time to do it, it gets done. But when you mm -hmm. say, I'm doing it tomorrow, or I'm gonna do it next week, or I'm gonna do it when the other one comes in, because I just got one, so then you don't get it done. That's and, a good point. You feel me? So, but yeah. the moment I said this week, yo, I'm getting this thing done today, and I put them all today, I hit up the assistant, and it happened. You feel me? That's so, crazy. You know, I think that translates and manifests itself in a different way too mm -hmm. with people and their goals, right? Like people talk about wanting to do something or mm -hmm. like wanting to get something done or achieve a certain status or whatever it is. Like you have, everyone has their goals if you're mm -hmm. watching this, right? And you will say all you want, you want to do something, but it really doesn't happen until you decide that you actually want to so do it, right? So you pull the trigger. It gotta, you have to pull the trigger. If you don't pull mm -hmm. the trigger, it's dead. Don't even talk about it. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. And I, I'm working on that. It's a struggle for everybody, you know, because we have ideas of, you know, even even the gym. I finally got back in the gym this week. Okay. You know what no. I, mean? I was like, I'm pulling the trigger on the gym. I went to, I got a membership at the um, uh, Los Angeles Athletic Club. Ah, that, that looks like a fire gym. I walk by it every day and I'm like, it looks nice in there. It's prime. You can't even look in there, actually. Prime. Yeah. You can't <laughs> really, that's what I'm saying, but it's prime. <laughs> I went there a couple of years ago with a friend who had a membership and it's like they got basketball courts, tennis courts, swimming pool saunas all type of class like it's just it's kind of like a fitness version of the soho house exactly. almost right is that what exactly. it is okay so i've been telling myself since january of this year that i was getting back in the gym and i just got back in this week okay. can you believe that that's crazy like, yeah <laughs> because i actually put that deadline like i have to do it now and i woke up that day i went i drove myself in there and got it done so you know it's it's, it's a constant battle constant struggle with all of us like we have a lot of things that we know we need to do but we're not putting an expiration date on it so it's just always going to linger yeah you know? it's hard because those priorities already shift and you have so much shit going it, on exactly right? that's another thing like you said priorities like i'm not waking up trying to be you feel me like because that's irrelevant but you know i at the same time i know i have to be you know you you you, you want to be healthy you want to be you know what i mean like yeah. you want to be sexy mm -hmm. like, you know what i mean this and that so it's like you got to you got to make sure you, you create time for everything. You got to make it important for you. Exactly. My, my my bro, Joe K, one time, shout out to him. He said, um, we either we either make make it a priority or we make it an excuse, exactly. right? And that resonated a lot with me. And I mean, we all do. I got so many things that are versions of what you said mm -hmm. that like I'm supposed to get done and like yeah. push it off. And like and we, we just, all learn it, man. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and But that's the greatest thing about it. The fact that you know, that's it. You know, mm -hmm. I think the first step is being aware. You know, I always tell people, you gotta be truthful with yourself first. If you're not truthful with yourself, then you're gonna lose in life. You gotta be, you gotta know when you're good at something, when you're not good at something. Mm -hmm. You gotta know when your time is up, when your time's not up. When, you know, whatever it is, and I don't say that to discourage people, but you know, I use an example, like some cats with me, I'm like, yo, listen to my music, this and that, and I'll listen to it, and it could be all right. It's not even that it's bad, but the dude is 35. He's 36, yeah. he's 37. And I tell him, I'd be like, realistically, 
do you as a consumer want to go listen to a brand new artist who's 35, 36, 37, trying to talk about things that he may or may not even be involved in anymore? If the answer is no, then what makes you think that consumers are going to want to listen to you? And that just comes down to breaking down truthful with yourself. And again, I won't say that to deter anybody from ever going after your dreams because it can still happen. We've seen two chains or we've seen so many other people do it, but there's something called possible and probable. It's possible that this thing can happen, yes, because it's possible that anything can happen. But is it probable that it will happen? Yeah. More than likely not. Mm -hmm. So as an adult, are you going to say I'm going to spend all my time, energy, and resources on something that's not as probable? Realistically, when you really stack up what is against you, you know what I'm saying? And again, that's not to deter anybody, but it's just a way to kind of cut your losses early or make sure you don't have as much losses. Because yeah, you can shift your energy towards something else that might be a blessing for you. Like look at Virgil Abloh, right? Like he had Pyrex Mm -hmm. and like completely shit. I think he had a few brands before Mm -hmm. he got to- Oh, he's been working with, he was Kanye stylist since the jump. Creative director, stylist, this and that. So before he even had a brand, he was already doing something else, which was being basically a worker beat for an artist. Yeah, but he had so many other brands, not so many, but he had other brands that he watched because he like- From Bentrill to Pyrex mm -hmm. Vision. Yeah, exactly. You know, those were all different things. And then you can switch your idea into something else. So, you know, there's, Again, you just have to be truthful. With yeah, yourself. it's hard to do. I mean, be my, honest even, with yourself. even myself, I wanted to be the artist. I wanted to be the rapper. There, oh, you once did? Upon a, what? I got songs out there. They're not on Spotify. In the archives. In the archives of me like going to the studio on, on trying to be an artist. Oh, wow. Then after a while, I wasn't even, you know, uh, growing up or anything. After a while, I just kind of realized, yo, these other rappers and artists that are around me are better. I could be truthful and I could say that. Yeah. They're making better music than me. Their voice sounds better than mine. They're, that's just the reality of it. So let me stop wasting my money, time, and energy on that. And let me start working with the artists, whether that's events, whether that's merch, whether that's production. Let me, I can work in other areas. I don't have to be the artist. You know what I mean? So again, it comes down with being truthful with yourself, knowing yeah. what you can and cannot do, knowing what is actually possible. Like, am I really going to make it like this? Am I really going to be better than Drake? If the answer is no, then okay, then why am I trying to go in this path? Like, yeah. You feel me? Now, can I create a brand that's bigger than Drake? Possibly. Mm-hmm. Even probably. Probably, yeah. Both of those are very, very likely. We see it every day. Can I create, you know, whatever it is in my city or in my culture that's going to be just as impactful as Drake? probably all right so let me put my energy and time and efforts into that thing that is so important man because you can like not waste your life but you can dedicate a large part of your life to trying to do something that's never going to work out because you're not being honest with yourself like i see that happen in so many different areas i used to i used to play football and there i have so many former teammates that are in their 30s playing in some like random league still trying to make it to the NFL. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I respect and admire the, the hustle, the, the and, hustle drive. and drive. Yeah. And all that stuff. But also it's like, like you said, like you're probably not going to make it anymore. So like, like how long are you going to chase that dream before you actually now start getting on your real dream that you should be chasing? And you're 10 years late. You know what I mean? And you like, what I'm saying? there's, like, yeah, yeah, no, that, that goes down all the time with, you know, friends and family. I see them, they're chasing things and it's just like, I, I get it. That's dope. Chase it. But you got to know when, yo, it's time to wrap it up and do something else or try mm-hmm. something else or, you know, whatever it is. And again, that's not to discourage anybody, because if you really feel conflicted in your heart that this is what you got to do and you're going to do it and you're going to make it, 
hey, by all means, do it. Prove me wrong. Prove whoever you're around wrong. But at the same time, if 10 years go by and you didn't prove anybody wrong, you only have yourself to blame. 100%. Yeah, yeah there you man. go. Yeah. And you got to take a real look in the mirror. It takes self-evaluation. That's it's hard, it. to, hard to step out of it and look at yeah. yourself. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Most people lie to themselves every day. Mm -hmm. Every day. You lie to yourself. I mean, come on. Even the nature of uh, of hip hop and music like that. People that, oh, I'm a mauler. I'm a millionaire. I got a Ferrari. I got this. I got that. It's the whole mentality of make it to you, you know, fake it till you make it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, nah. You know, you don't got that. You know, yeah. you don't live like that. It's, you it's know, you're facade. not a facade. It's a it's a facade, and it's just like, why do you got to create that facade? I'm not saying like don't uh, elaborate a little bit for the music purposes and make sure it sounds good. But if your whole entity and your whole artistic vision is off a facade, then it's like, you gotta be real with yourself, boo. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, ladies, same thing, be real with yourself. Like, if you just wanna do it to take you out just to, you know, get a free meal, be real with yourself. Like, yo, I'm only dating right now to get a free meal and some dick. If that's what it is, that's fine. No one is, you know what I'm saying? I think yeah. it becomes a, a, a gray area or it becomes a tricky situation when guys or girls try to, you know, tell their spouse or tell the other person that, hey, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z, but in all reality, you're actually looking for something else. Yeah. But until you be truthful yourself and tell yourself what it is that you're really looking for, then you can never, you know. That's no, true. Yeah, you get also like, you know, when you have those ulterior motives, you get treated and you, the, the, quote unquote universe, whatever you call it, call it God will give mm -hmm. you that energy that mm -hmm. you're giving back. And that's mm -hmm. why like a lot of girls like can't find a good man, this and that, but like they're doing things like you just said. You feel me? You know what you're I mean? You're saying you can't find a good man, but you're in the wrong situation. You're in the wrong places. You're asking, you're going on dates with, you're going on dates with the dude who's just popping bottles at the club. You've seen him pop bottles at the club yeah. five times <laughs> and he took, and he took your, what do you expect? You feel me? <laughs> and you say, oh, all he wanted to do was smash. Well, I mean, I don't understand. What did you think? He wanted to take you to his mom's house to eat dinner? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what did you expect? And also, yeah. guys, the same thing. Like, you talk. Guys, the same way. Guys, the same way. Like, you talking to a girl, let her know. Like, yo, I'm not looking for time. I'm just trying to smash. Mm -hmm. Or I'm just trying to, you know, have a girl on the side that we can go on dates here. Whatever it is, don't let them know, like, oh, I'm trying to be in a relationship and get married and this and that. And then later on, something else happens. And then you're wondering why did she slap you or this happened? You know what I mean? Like, because I've been there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to just be truthful. Like, yo, baby, this is what I'm trying to do. Like, let your attentions be known. You feel me? Like, if you're with it, you're with it. If you're not, then, you know, I get it. Yeah, Power yeah. to you, baby. You save a lot of energy and hurt that way, too. And shout out, shout out to all the good girls, though, and all the queens out there that yeah, are, yeah, you know what I mean, doing right. it the right way. And Jay there's a lot of them out there, too. Yeah, no. Shouts out to them. Shout out to you. For sure. Um. So, speaking on the wearing the multiple hats piece, my next question was going to be, how do you not burn out? How do you avoid burnout? You have out? to love it. You have to love it. The only people okay. who burn out is the people who don't love it. Like, I can't imagine burning out because it's like when I wake up, I'm thinking about these things because I enjoy these things. So there's no way I could say I burn out. Plus, also, I don't take things too seriously. Like, I'm not, you know, the business I do and the things I do is not like it's a stuffy corporate environment. You know what I mean? Like, people who work for me, like, we be at, we're at the office chilling, smoking weed. Like, you feel <laughs> yeah. me? Like, it's not, you can't burn out like that because it's a very relaxed environment. It's like, yo... Let's get things done. Let's what you know. Let, let, let's see the the product of all this work that we're doing. You know, what I mean, that's the goal. You know, it's not about we got to be on it. You got to be this, this, this. Like, go nah. All that super hard, like hustle hard to your. You know, all that. That's whack. That's corny. Like, yeah. you know, hustle smart. It's not about hustling hard. It's okay. about hustling smart. You know. What's the objective? What are we trying to get out of this thing? And then now we reverse engineer that and look at the steps and what we have to do and things like that. Okay, I love uh, that. I love that yeah. explanation. So yeah, you it just people who get burnt out are people who are doing jobs they don't like. 
or they put too much expectations on themselves. They're taking themselves too serious or taking the situation too serious. You know what I mean? Okay, so you got to lighten up a little bit got and to. have some fun with it, right? Oh, nothing is real. What Drake say, the moment I stop having fun with it, I'll be done with you it. You feel me? Yeah. Straight up. Like, if I didn't enjoy any of the things that I was doing, I wouldn't be doing them. There's just no way. Yeah. Like, there's no way. I mean, every once in a while, like, I wouldn't go to the club with one night or this and that just because maybe I'm tired of the club or maybe I'm, you know, whatever it is, I want to just chill out and do something. And that's cool. I could take a couple nights out, a month off, whatever it is I want. But I still enjoy the actual making of it because I'm still the guy on the back end making sure that the flyers are right. I'm still the guy on the back end making sure the, the ticket links, the, you know, the whole production on the back end. I loved putting it together. I may not show up to the club tonight, but everything else I love. Putting mm, taking care of. Yeah. I feel you, man. So you mentioned earlier, you know, you all these things that have cultivated themselves into what you got going on today, whether it's the music, whether it's the entrepreneurship, whether it's the parties and events. They've all kind of happened piece by piece. So what's next for you? You got anything else in the works coming up or just, just new music? New Drop, music. Dropping more music, you know. Um I'll get I'll say from now until, you know, this time next year for the next year, dropping new music, expanding the boutique in the sense of like I said, bringing more artists in, bringing more brands in, doing more activations, more pop-ups, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, really growing the boutique so a year from now we can say hey we've been together we've been in business for a year and this is what we've done we can you know showcase what we've done um and dropping more music you know what i mean that's really yeah i really want to drop a lot more music really get in my executive bag um you know and of course still dj still throwing parties all that kind of stuff like that's like saying breathing air drinking water like that's it's like routine yeah for you. R- routine plus it's just who i am i'm always going to take gigs i'm always going to throw parties like it's just what it is you know okay what I mean? yeah um but then obviously in the long run you know owning my own club you know what i mean oh you got aspirations for that too oh yeah definitely, definitely okay i mean i think that's the natural progression you know yeah from a dj to you know a promoter of a night or a, you know event promoter to then owning the space that's, you know, Ooh. you know, cause even like my boutique is kind of a space. Like we throw like small events there. I'm mm-hmm. about to start up, but I'm a piano night there. Oh my. Know? Yeah, so, you know. I'm a piano's blowing yeah, up like crazy, crazy now too. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's like the, 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 the next progression is definitely having my own spaces to do these things. Like, okay. You know I mean? Fire, man. Well, like, I'm, I think it's all going to happen. I'm, I can't wait to see it happen. I'm going to be yeah. looking in. Checking in and and tapping in with you on all of that. You got any last words? And where can people follow you too if they want to continue to follow your journey? Um, Everything is Tommy Tribe, T-O-M-I Tribe, T-R-I-B-E. You can find me on IG, you know, YouTube music is there, Spotify, Apple Music, all of that. It's all Tommy Tribe. Um, As far as the gallery, it's just T Gallery LA. All one word, T T Gallery Gallery, LA. LA. Um, You can find out the drops, you can shop the collection, you can pull up and make an appointment, you know, at the shop. And also, like, if you, it's a, it's a, it's a co- culture and community space. So if you feel like, hey, even yourself, mm-hmm. yo, I want to do a pop-up here for whatever collection you're releasing or whatever it is, whether it's a sip and paint, whether it's an art collection, whether it's a clothing collection, whether it's a music release, a movie release, whatever. We got projectors, we have TVs, we have oh, everything my. to be able to facilitate, you know, what it is people want to do there and things like that. So, again, it's a, it's a community space. It's a boutique, it's a gallery but it's a place where everyone can come and, you know, do things. Like, you know, okay. I'm not just trying to keep it, you know, to me. Like, no, the the whole premise of it was to have a space. Well, really, it started because I had too much, like, boxes and clothes in my house. <laughs> Real talk, my I house was you, looking man. crazy. I just had so much stuff, like, and I we had just gotten these jackets and, like, it was eight big-ass boxes oh, were coming shit. from China. Those are heavy. Yeah, heavy. Like, we're talking about, like, huge boxes, eight of them coming in. And I was like, damn, where am I going to put all this stuff? Like, you know, my, my partner, Tunde's crib, his apartment was already packed up with all our other stuff, Fresh I Am and everything else. 
So I was like, man, I need to get a storage. I was looking at storage prices. And I was like, man, with this price, I might as well just get like a warehouse or yeah. something downtown. And then, you know, I found this spot. It was a warehouse slash, for, you know, storefront, boutique, this and that. I was like, perfect. We can keep this as a warehouse, keep it as office, but also we can use the front of it as, you know, build it out. So, so what we did, we just went and we partitioned the stuff. We built a couple walls and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, it, it looks dope. Like it's definitely the dopest new spot in LA. I don't care what nobody says. Like, this shit is, <laughs> is vibes. See it for yourself, it's right? Vibes. Pull up, TT Gallery. Los Angeles, 825 South Los Angeles Street. We're open by appointment only, um, or we're open, you know, during when we have pop-ups and stuff. But Word. literally, just follow me on my page. You see what's going on. Absolutely. I'm out to come check it out for myself yeah, for in the sure. near yeah, future. Yeah, for sure. One other thing, you uh, you have this mantra, you know, it's in your bio on your IG of spread love. Yeah. What does that mean to you? That's it. If everything you do is the intention of spreading love, then you can never go wrong. So, like, even when, you know, you may get in little tussles with people or, you know, whatever it may be, an argument, a misunderstanding. If the objective is to love and spread love, then you can never be wrong. You okay, get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, let's use an example. Like you get in an argument with a, somebody at the club, you know, somebody saying, oh, this or that or blah, blah, blah. Me, I would usually just kind of stop the argument and be like, all right, just give this guy extra champagne. Spread some love. Spread some love, yeah. Not, you know what I mean? Like, and if he's still complaining after that, then I me, mean, I, there's nothing I can do. I can just walk away. You yeah, know what yeah. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm going to always come from a place of love. You know what I mean? I'm always going to come from a place of like, yo, let's de-escalate this situation. Let's make sure we're smooth. It's good. You know, if I'm creating a product, if I'm creating a boutique, spread love with the boutique. So let, let me not only sell my products, let me sell other designers that are dope. And let, let me, me allow it to be a space where other people exactly. can come to their thing, right? Spread, okay. spread, spread. I, I've been blessed to be able to put together a boutique. So let me spread this love to whoever's around, whoever wants to receive it. Okay, so yeah. that's just how you live your life. Yeah, just spread love. You know I mean? It's a very simple thing. Like, just come from a place of love and never hate, never jealousy, never this, never that. Like, you know, obviously it takes time. Obviously, I've gotten to my scuffles with people in our community or things like that in a sense. But at the end of the day, it's always love. Because when I see them, it's love. I, I still mess with them. I still rock with them. I still, you know, whatever it is, it's always going to be love. Because, I, I, I mean, my life is too good and blessed. Like, I can't even <laughs> operate from any other place. Like... That's a you great place me? you're in there. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll we'll end on that. Uh, spread love. I appreciate you spreading love on this podcast and you know dropping so many gems, sharing the codes with everybody. Um, we're gonna be tapped in with you, bro. Tap in. Listen you. to the music. Like I said, Tommy <laughs> Tribe everywhere. Go run it up. We got music out. Me and Jada Blue got something crazy out right now called "I Got It." The videos on YouTube is very very beautiful. Ladies, tap into that one. You will love it. Knee Nigeria is also out. Shout out Toye crazy anthem for nigeria remix coming very soon with a very special guest okay and um you know just tap in man we here absolutely we'll, we'll leave those links in the description as well for you to check out tommy tribe not to be confused with tommy tribe we appreciate tribe. we building. yeah we appreciate you coming through uh from creative ambiance this is levi and tommy tribe checking out we'll see you next time bless up yes sir colt colt army tito we in the building let's go peace